Welcome to another edition of the Coach Buck Podcast. I'm your host, the Coach Buck. And I know I've been gone for a while. I haven't been with you guys since the NBA free agency ended. Been real busy. Got two jobs, but I'm finding time to make time for this podcast. I'm so dedicated that I'm actually recording this podcast on my way to job number two. That's how dedicated I am. On my way, I'm in the car via Bluetooth recording this podcast. Niggas going to be driving down the road, listening to this. I mean, watching me drive by them, looking in my window, seeing me talking, making all kind of weird facial expressions. Like, what's wrong with this cat? I'm doing my podcast. It's real. It's that real. And the Coach Buck Podcast is now exclusively brought to you by goodifitgoes.com which is the site that I exclusively write for now. And we've got a lot of NFL action to get into. Um, where else to start? The Dallas Cowboys. So many were shocked, surprised, as far as Cowboy fans go. Disgusted with what they saw on Sunday afternoon when the Cowboys lost by one point to the New York Giants because Terrence Williams was too stupid to stay in, I mean, to run out of bounds. And what made it worse was his explanation for his play after the game. Did y'all hear what this cat said after the game? Terrence Williams said his thought process was he wanted to get the first down and then try to get out of bounds. As if the Giants defenders just were gonna let him get the first down and then get out of bounds. Seven, six seconds left, however much time it was to go. He has gotten us enough yards to let Dan Bailey attempt a 62-yard field goal attempt, which if you saw the 56-yard field goal attempt Dan Bailey hit early in the game, it certainly would have had a chance. I'm not saying Dan Bailey would have even made it. But I would have read, I would have liked to see him get the opportunity to freaking try, man. It's ridiculous. This is NFL football, the highest level. We got the highest paid football players in the world, supposed to be the smartest players in the world, and week after week, you see stupidity, specifically with the Dallas Cowboys. We find unique and revolutionary ways to lose year in, year out. So as far as being surprised, I wasn't surprised at all by what I saw. I wasn't shocked one bit. I picked the Giants to win that game. Go to goodifitgoals.com. All my week one picks were put in. I had a blog, it came out Thursday morning. Picked every game from week one. Picked the Giants to win, because I, I knew this was gonna happen. But what, I didn't expect us to lose like that. First of all, the offensive line got dominated by the Giants defensive line. I was shocked by that. Shocked as Ezekiel Elliott was very unaffected, averaging like 2.6 yards a carry. We didn't throw a, we didn't have a single passing touchdown the whole game. As far as, I don't wanna hear no more talk about this. Romolin lost his job. Um, it's Dak is the Dak might be the future, but he he ain't the present. He damn sure ain't the present. I want number nine back. Number nine through touchdowns. It was very. We might have lost some games with number nine. Hell, we done lost a lot of games with number nine. But it was few and far in between that we had games with number nine didn't throw no passing touchdown. I don't remember watching too many games with nine on the field where the Cowboys didn't have at least one passing touchdown where our best receiver got one catch for eight yards. I missed number nine. 
damn all this Prescott talk. He was okay. A lot better than Castle and Whedon and all them other bums we've been rolling out behind Romo over the years. But he ain't nine. We, we, we can cancel all, all this talk I've been hearing throughout the preseason of will Romo get his job back when he, you damn right Romo gonna get his job back. He better if you saw what I saw on Sunday. We still ain't got no good enough quarterback until nine get back out there. We just gotta hope that we can play 500 football until he get back. That's our only hope. Now let's go to the Sunday night game. Arizona against the Patriots. So let me get this straight. What if I told you the Arizona Cardinals that went 13-3 and last year, with all the talent they got on their roster, were going to be playing the New England Patriots week one at home. Tom Brady suspended. Garoppolo out. I mean, not Garoppolo. Gronk is out. Both starting tackles are out. Two rookie starting guards. And neither of them were first-round picks. Okay? Just a completely revamped offensive line. Pieced together at the last second. Deion Lewis is hurt. Chandler Jones is now on the Cardinals. Who would you think would win this game? And by how many points? You're probably going to think Arizona's going to win. And by at least a touchdown. The New England Patriots won this game. 23-21. And in large part to the brilliant play of my man Jimmy Garoppolo, a.k.a. Now, better yet, BKA, Jimmy G. Now, I've been trying to tell anybody who would listen about Jimmy G since I first scouted him at Eastern Illinois. Now, I didn't have no real coach's tape or nothing like that, but I went back and got all the replays, every replay of his games I could find where they cut just the throws that he made. And I watched them at least twice every single throw he made his senior year at Eastern Illinois. And I immediately said to myself, this dude is going to be a player in the NFL. I didn't care that he went to an FCS school. And so far, he has looked, he, whenever he's played in the preseason, he's looked pretty good. And last night against a, team, a defense in the Cardinals defense that finished in the top five, in the top five last year, we got the Honey Badger. Patrick Peterson. I just told you they added Chandler Jones, one of the nastiest edge rushers in the league. They got Deion Buchanan in the middle, headhunter. Calais Campbell inside, a bunch of just a star-studded defense. Jimmy Garoppolo just looked like it was nothing. He looked like he was at Eastern Illinois again. He wasn't phased. He wasn't rushed. He handled the pressure like a straight veteran. It honestly looked like a poor uh, younger Tom Brady before he became a star out there. I mean, he was balling. He was balling. Did you see some of them throws he made? The one that stood out to me most was that one on third and five where he squeezed that little slant in there between two Cardinals defenders. Just rocketed in there to James White to get that big first down to keep that drive alive where they ultimately would go on to get some points. Which was huge. Jimmy G was big time. I'm highly disappointed in the Cardinals for not winning that game, though. This is the team that I predicted would finish first in the NFC in terms of regular season win-loss record. Now I don't know. Are the Patriots just that damn good? Or is Jimmy G just that damn good? Or are the Cardinals not who we all thought they were? We'll see.
Speaking of the NFC West, what about the Seahawks? They struggled with a Miami Dolphins team that not a lot of people, including myself, expect to do much of anything this year. Now the defense for Seattle showed up. Miami only scored 10 points. But we were expecting a lot more than 12 from the Seattle offense who were down the majority of the game. It took a game-winning touchdown drive led by Russell Wilson. Mr. Clutch himself, Russell Wilson, who came through again. Now the biggest problem with this Seahawks team is that offensive line. And I try to tell people, even though I picked the Seahawks to win the NFC as far as the playoffs and get to the Super Bowl, I have my concerns because of that damn offensive line of theirs. It's the most inexperienced, uh, unproven offensive line of all 32 teams in the league. We just don't know what to expect from that group coming into the year. And if they don't get it together, it's going to be a long year for Russell Wilson and that offense. A lot more onus is going to be on the defense to do what they did. But guess what? Seattle going to play a lot tougher offenses than Ryan Tannehill and the Dolphins. You can believe that. So, I mean, yeah, they held them to 10 points. So what you going to do when Arizona comes to town? What you going to do when uh, you got to go against Green Bay? Cam Newton. So, I mean, you just can't put it all on the defense. There's some really good offenses in the NFC that Seattle going to have to beat if they want to get to the Super Bowl. And they're going to need more than 12 points from Seattle on offense. That's for sure. Speaking of Green Bay, tight one with the Jaguars, but they came through. Some people might look at them uh, coming down to the end with the Jags as a bad thing. I don't, because let me tell you something. The Jags going to take a lot of teams to the end. And, and guess what? Some of them games, they going to win. You know, they didn't pull this one out. Next one, they might. I'm a big fan of the Jaguars and with the direction they're going in, and I expect some things from them this year. I think they're going to have a shot to make the playoffs. But it's one team that might – I know they're not going to win the division because I got the Texans winning that division. And they looked good in week one as well. They beat the Bears, and, I mean, the defense did its thing. How about Will Fuller? We know about DeAndre Hopkins. We know what DeAndre Hopkins do. But when was the last time a Texan receiver not named DeAndre Hopkins had a 100-yard game? I mean, I almost want to say it's Andre Johnson. I mean, I might be wrong about that, but that's, that's, who, that's who I want to say it is. So for DeAndre Hopkins to have some help, finally, is a huge deal. I looked and outranked the receivers from the class of this upcoming, I mean, this past draft. And Doxon and Fuller were my top two guys. But of all the guys, I felt like Fuller was the most explosive and the most capable of being a game breaker. And that's what he is. If you watched him when he was at Notre Dame against one of the best secondaries in the nation, he put on a show against USC. It seemed like every Notre Dame game I watched, Will Fuller was behind the defense, game after game after game. He's got that type of speed. He's got that type of quickness. He got that type of game. You combine him with a rough ruggedness and just big body possession style of, of Hopkins, you got the perfect one-two punch at receiver. And it's not gonna take, and then you got Lamar Miller who was balling at running back. It's not gonna take a whole lot of work from Brock Osweiler to just keep this offense on schedule and do enough because they got an elite defense in Houston. 
I see no reason why Houston shouldn't win the South and make the playoffs, especially when you look at those other two teams I didn't name, the Colts and the uh, Titans. The Titans have no offense, and the Colts have no defense. Andrew Luck clearly looks healthy again, and I guess he's going to have a bounce back year, and that's great. That's fine for Andrew Luck. But how many wins are they going to have? Six, seven? At best, the Colts are an eight-win team. I'm thinking more like six. They can't stop a cold. The Lions were no prolific offense. I mean, I respect Matthew Stafford, but I mean, this team, the Megatron just retired. Right now, their best receiver is pretty much Golden Tate, Marvin Jones. I got the Colts. They're going to see better offenses than that. So, I mean, if you couldn't stop Jacksonville, what you going to do against some of the other teams you got to go up against? I'm sorry, Colts fans. Expect big numbers from Luck and the offense this year, but don't expect a lot of wins. That's just my take on them. And, um, you know, speaking of the NFC North, I just brought the Vikings. I think the Vikings offense is going to look a lot better when Sam Bradford gets on the center. I don't even, I don't even have no doubt about it. You know, I, only, I didn't expect much from them this week with Sean Hill. I mean, they got to run the ball better. I, I didn't expect Adrian Peterson to struggle the way he did, especially against a Titans team that was one of the worst run defenses in the league last year. That kind of worries me a little bit about the Vikings. But I loved what I saw from the defense. Minnesota Vikings got a big-time defense. They got a bunch of good players on that defense, and they're going to cause a lot of hell for everybody that they play up against. That's what I think about the Vikings. Now, the Vikings and the Packers are still going to be the top two teams in the North. Detroit, though, I was impressed with Matthew Stafford in that game against the Colts. He showed me some real leadership, some fire. Uh, he was clutch. Usually, that's the type of game we see the Lions lose. Usually, that's the type of game they find a way to blow it. They came through this time. They executed. They played smart. Um... We saw good coaching. I mean, it's just, we're not used to seeing that type of fourth quarter execution from the Detroit Lions. Just not, I'm just not used to seeing it. Now, and the Bears, I mean, you know, we talk about the NFC North. The Bears are what they, I thought they were. They're not, they don't have a good defense. The offense is okay. Alshon Jeffrey is a really good receiver. Jay Culler has some talent. They just, they don't have enough to win. They're the worst team in the North. Even though one of our colleagues, Kevin Schrader, wants to try and say the Bears are going to win 11 games and be better than the Seahawks. Uh, I wonder how he's feeling about that prediction right now. Yeah, I'm calling you out, Kevin. Hope you're listening. Now, let me go back. Let's go back to the NFC East for a second. Now, we talked about the Cowboys and the Giants. But really, we were talking more about the Cowboys. I want to get more into the Giants. The money they spent in the offseason was money well spent. Alright. Olivier Vernon was beasting all preseason. First game of the regular season he was dominating too. Ty Smith couldn't handle him, dog. And then I mean, eventually Smith got hurt and came back in. But I mean, we had to try to block him with some tight ends too. None of it worked. Big Snacks Harrison in the middle with uh Jonathan and them. Cowboys couldn't run the ball. This is the best offensive line in the football. Couldn't run the ball. And not, it wasn't because the Giants linebackers stink. But when you got a defensive line like that, you don't need great linebackers. 
they was wreaking havoc. Giants also played well at corner. I mean, Eli Apple, the rookie, looked good. Um, Janoris Jenkins looked good. Dominic Rogers Cromartie looked good. The Giants got a respectable defense now. I'm not going to go overboard because the Cowboys offense with Dak Prescott out there, that's not no elite offense. But it's a respectable defense now because it didn't matter who the Giants went against last year. Good team, bad team, they was getting smoked. Their defense couldn't stop nobody. It didn't matter who it was. So Giants fans got to feel good about that. What they don't need to feel good about is that offense because the offense wasn't good all preseason. And then here they come against a Dallas Cowboys defense that all the experts think is going to be one of the worst defenses in the league. And all they muster up is 20 points. Odell superstar diva Beckham, four catches, under held under 100 yards. He only had 73 receiving yards. I wasn't impressed. Eli Manning with a boneheaded interception to Brandon Carr, who stinks. I wasn't impressed, Giants. Now, we're going to see what the Redskins do on Monday Night Football. I don't know exactly when I'm going to publish this podcast. So just in case it comes out after the game, people, I, uh, I'm actually recording the podcast before the Monday Night Football game. So I haven't seen the game yet. But I expect the Redskins to show up. Even if they lose, I think they're going to play well against the Steelers. I really, really do. I expect Kirk Cousins and that offense to be explosive this year. I really do. So that leaves the Eagles. I look at the Eagles and Carson Wentz impressed me. The Eagles offense impressed me, but I'm they beat the Browns. The Browns and the 49ers are neck and neck for worst team in the NFL, and it's not even close. They both have what is the equivalent of expansion team rosters right now. So anybody that does anything against either of those teams, I'm only gonna have but so much respect for it. That's just how I feel about those teams. I mean, it is what it is. Speaking of our West, LA Rams and 49ers tonight. Let me touch on the Monday night football games real quick, then I gotta get out of here. Um, we'll see if I was right. I think the Rams gonna draw them to four. Well, actually, let me take that back. That game might be a little tighter than I expect because I just don't know what to expect from the Rams offense. Tavon Austin just got a new deal. I don't know why. He hadn't done a damn thing in the NFL. Jeff Fisher and them came out saying, well, we're paying him based on what we think he's going to do. That's nice. I hope that works out for you. Because I ain't seen Tavon Austin do nothing yet. Not a thing. All right? So we got that operating. Then the 49ers, Blaine Gabbard at quarterback. I mean, if Colin Kaepernick can't beat out Gabbard, I, I don't know what to say. He need to focus more on his game instead of worrying about protesting. But that's the story. I'm not getting into the social protests and all that stuff on this podcast. I'm not doing it. I'm done with it. Wrote my article. It's up now on goodifitgoes.com, by the way. Check it out. Wrote my article about that. Um, You can see where I stand on the whole protest, national anthem, all that crap. I'm talking about football right now. And I expect the Rams to beat the 49ers. As far as the Steelers Redskins go, I think it's going to be tight. Um, I know I picked Pittsburgh to win on my NFL picks, but I didn't realize Marcus Williams wasn't going to be playing either. So now, I'm talking about Le'Veon Bell suspended, Martavis Bryant suspended, no Marcus Wheaton, no Ladarius Green. I mean, I, I, I don't know. 
I mean, I wasn't expecting all of those weapons to be out. I mean, dang, I at least expected Marcus Wheaton to be there. Um, so, I'm going to stick with Pittsburgh because that was my pick. But it wouldn't surprise me at all if the Redskins won this game. I don't feel good about the pick at all. So, I'm, I'm going to stick with Pittsburgh to win Monday night football game against the Redskins. But I don't feel good about it at all. That's all I got for you on today's show. Just wanted to run through the NFL Week 1 action um, real quick. And I'll see you guys next time. Hope you enjoyed the show. Um, won't be able to do these every day. But hoping I can get some good you know, podcasts out to you. Good people that's been following me for, for over the years. Just give you my thoughts on the NFL. I'm hoping to be able to join our Good If It Goes group podcast. Um, which I don't know how that's going to play. I'm so busy. Um, my schedule don't quite line up with theirs. So that's kind of why I'm doing my solo thing right now. They got the group podcast going. But then again, I don't know what a podcast with me and three other people going to look like anyway. Because you know I like to talk. I like to talk. And so I don't know how many of them are going to get to talk doing a podcast with me. Because I'm going to talk. I'm going to say what I got to say. I'm going to do the most talk. I mean, it's just straight like that. That's how it is. But, um, yeah. That's all I got for you today. I'm out. Coach Buck.